Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Bonney is a proud partner of Teaching Artists Guild. Teaching Artists Guild is a national network of teaching artists and arts education leaders. They've been around since 2013, and Teaching Artists Guild, or TAG, has provided resources and communication about the growing field through their website, databases, and quarterly magazine. They also feature a pay rate calculator and have recently launched an interactive map of the field. Oh, and they also offer dental and vision discounts across the whole U.S. of A. That's amazing. You can visit them at teachingartistsguild.org to learn more about all this fabulous stuff. Tag, where the resources are abundant. Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is Episode 27, Act 1, Michael Wiggins, Shifting Systems with Rigor and Love, recorded March 30th, 2019, in Brooklyn, New York. All prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out. And the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for old people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Hey, hey, TA listeners. Thanks for listening. And remember to tell your peeps to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes out monthly. And remember to follow on all the socials, the Facebook, the Twitter, Instagram. And that, my friends, is how we grow our community. And we're so happy you're a part of ours. Pop those earbuds in. So in November 2019, I went to Wales representing New Victory and New 42 for a week to work with artists and meet with arts administrators. I sat down with Rianne Hutchings, who is the person who brought me over for a, you know, a little short interview. So here's the first half of that conversation. Hi, Rianne. Hi, Courtney. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Um, yes, good. Um, so could you say your full name and your role uh, or roles? Roles. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. I've heard a lot about many of them. So my name is Rianne Hutchings and hmm, my roles. Okay, so I'm the creative director for Opera Sonic, which is a company based in Newport here in South Wales that makes participatory opera with lots of people from the community that I work in. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm the partnership manager for Artworks Cymru, which is um, a, it's a project, not not an organization, 
but it's a project that brings together partners from across Wales who care about participatory arts. Um, and we look at sector issues and come up with like potential projects or ideas for taking things forward. Mm. Um, I'm also, oh my God, here we go. There's loads of roles. I'm it. also the chair of Reseo, which is the Opera Music and Dance Education for Forum for Europe. So it's a network of opera companies, dance companies, like um, dancers, choreographers who, again, make participatory work or education work. And we have a conference every year and talk about projects that people have done and just, you know, have a big love in, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also a creative agent. What is that, you ask? Well, it's a very good question. Um, it, we have something here that's run by Arts Council Wales called the Lead Creative Schools Scheme, uh, where we've been trying to get arts into schools, um, teachers and artists working together to try and make projects that help the teachers to deliver the curriculum, but use arts techniques to do that. So I work with, as an agent, I work with schools to help match them with artists and help them to troubleshoot any programs that they're running. So I've been doing that for the last five years as well. So you don't do much? No, no, I'm really bored. And um, (laughs) why am I here? Well, Courtney, (laughs) it's an excellent question. Mm. Um, You're here because I saw a presentation you did in 2016 at ITAC in Edinburgh where you talked about the Teaching Artist Pathway Tool. Um, And I have been thinking about what we could do in Wales to really empower participatory artists to become the leaders that I know they are because I work with a lot of them. Mm. Um, And I really wanted to find out if there was a way to help them to to take a leadership role in Wales. Mm. Uh, And mm -hmm. and Mm. so... (laughs) I saw the the tap tool and I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder if this could be the tool that we've been looking for to help artists mentor each other and find career paths mm-hmm. in Wales. So I f- asked you in Edinburgh, hey, can I bring you to Wales, Courtney? And you mm-hmm. said yes. I said, you uh, s- okay. You thought I was a crazy lady. <laughs> Um, and then I went away and I found the money and then I phoned you up again and said, Hey Courtney, I found the money. Are you going to come to Wales now? Mm-hmm. And I was like, who are you again? Yeah. And then I was like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Hi. 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 Um, so just to mark time, um, uh, artworks, uh, Cymru, uh, it, it invited us. Well, you first said it at mm. 2016. Yeah. Um, and then now it's 2019. Yeah. So it was 2018 that you said, oh, yeah, you know, we were, I'm about to go for this. Are you still interested? And that was um, right before you came over here for um, ITAC 4. That's right. right. Yeah. I came um, to New York for ITAC 4. Right. Mm. And so what's interesting to me is that um, 2016 was when I first started, I first sort of, conceived and was building scheming if you will um this program right and i was saying oh i've got this little this little podcast i can't wait to figure out what this is um and i if i'm 99 percent sure I, I recorded something while i was there i think you did um i did right yeah. um so i talked about doing yeah. this work the teaching artist pathways tool and um and it does, it definitely has had a life beyond that over mm-hmm. the course of the last three years. But this, to me, this project has been, um, 
well, one, you know, potentially a culmination of the tool in its current version Yeah. because I was so inspired by the work that, um, or the ideas that were coming through during the two day retreat, um, of how to make this more 3d or make this process even more, um, uh, um, dynamic. Um, but I just wanted to go back for a second because yeah. you kept referring to this um, this term participatory arts, and then you sort of said education. But could you explain uh, participatory? I've learned many words here and many <laughs> terms, um, and as well as I've been sharing <laughs> many terms that yeah. are well known in the states. So what 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 is the definition of participatory arts? Well, so I mean, we also have a, a big debate in the UK around what the right term is um and we i guess the the original term that that we would have used would be community artist Mm, mm -hmm. um we might have used um socially engaged artist which also kind of comes up in the visual arts Mm. um but there is also this term participatory artist and i think when um so i worked um in a project called Artworks, which is where Artworks Cymru comes from, which Mm. was funded by um, a foundation we have here in the UK called Paul Hamlin Foundation. And they brought together a lot of people from across what I would call the participatory arts sector to talk about the sector. And when I say participatory arts, I mean any arts where artists are working with people to make work. So that could be in a school, doing education projects, or it could be in an old age people's home, mm-hmm. like making, doing aging, you know, creative aging projects. It could be in a hospital working with dementia sufferers. Mm-hmm. It could be, I don't know, it could be in a prison working with, with you know, inmates mm-hmm. to make theatre or something like that. Anywhere where the artist is, is facilitating, I right. guess. Yes. Um, and using their skill to facilitate the creativity of others. Um, but we... We had a big debate at the beginning of the Artworks program, um, which was back in like 2010. I think there's lots of debates that have been going on for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all decided, like, let's use the term participatory artist because we wanted to distinguish ourselves from, like, you know, other artists, that there was a different set of skills mm-hmm. that we were bringing in to do our work. Right. Um, and yeah, and then we all discovered, like, hey, you guys, you guys use teaching artists. Yep. So that's a whole different phrase again. And, you know, we've been finding our way through that over the last two days, like trying to just unpick that a little bit for everybody who's been working with us. But I mean, I also, I love the phrase teaching artist. Mm -hmm. You know, I I do, I feel, I have that now on my Twitter profile. Oh. I'm I'm a teaching artist. Hey, you. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of debates on, you know, what, what kind of titles people want to call themselves, but teaching artists, at least in the States. And now this international conference is sort of saying like, whatever you call yourself, community artists, participatory artists, that those skill sets that are about facilitating other, I love that you said facilitating other people's creativity um, and creative processes. uh, uh, It all sort of falls under that same category. So not to get caught up in the, in the nomenclature, but actually just get to the, the work. And, and when I went to that conference and I did go with my colleague, Lindsay, um, to, to deliver that, uh, presentation. And, um, it was, it was, it was a good experience from, from my point of view. It was the first time I had been able to go to this conference, um, and had wanted to since I heard of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I like about it, uh, is that they do, 
what do they do? They split the the delegates. So the, the participants yeah. or the attendees are split like 60% are from the host country. Country, not city, right? The host yeah, country. country yeah. and, um, and then 40%, you know, you have to apply to be a part of the conference. Um, and you can do that in two ways. You can apply th- through submitting a proposal, um, which may or may not get accepted. And I think even if you don't, I don't know this yet because I've only done it. Wait, did I present it in New York? Oh, I did the pre-conference. Yeah, you right. did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I only know that so far as as, as a presenter, as a presenter uh, yeah. and a delegate. So I don't know how how one becomes a delegate without proposing. But well, I think they were exploring you? that in 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 New York, weren't they? In terms of they were streaming a lot of it, so that actually, if you hadn't got into the conference, you could still access the material. Oh, okay. Um, there was a lot of filming going on. Yes, and there was I a lot of that. On, there was streaming that was happening. Yeah, so absolutely. It was, it was live. Yeah. Streaming. And so then I think it, that was mm-hmm. another way to say, right, well, okay, we've reached capacity, but actually, we still we know there are people out there who are still. Um, wanting to engage and that'll be a big thing when the they have the next one which is in so you call it something else Seoul, Seoul, <laughs> korea south korea mm. um in america we say seoul seoul yeah. korea mm, south korea um anyway so that'll be a big thing actually to be able to stream it live because there won't it'll be very difficult Absolutely. i imagine for I think for it. people to come yeah. um but anyway i we're digressing but I, I just think that the the what's beautiful about the international teaching arts conference mm-hmm. is this ability to learn from other people across global uh yes. work in this area or yeah. around this area or this work and um different models different ways of working different approaches that all have um really inspiring ways of looking going back to your work yeah um so I, I hope that, uh, well, two things, the, the international teaching arts conference actually just launched recently launched a, uh, a more, uh, uh, what is it called? Rigorous, I guess. I don't know what the right terminology is for websites, but a, a new website a that new website, ha- has, yeah. um, a lot of new tools and access, which and, I think and is fantastic. They're trying to kind of keep some conversations going mm-hmm. on between conferences aren't they so yes that they've kind of created this itac collaborative and they're doing mm-hmm. a number of different chats monthly chats, chats yeah right? absolutely where they're yeah, kind of bringing able... people with practice mm-hmm. just to talk about what they're doing and yeah i haven't so, managed to yeah, be able to go to any, any of them but soon but <laughs> but that's that idea of like we were just saying isn't it amazing to be able to how small the world is and streaming yeah. is such a way to make the world put the world into your home yes. and into your life oh, more yes. specifically and i love how this um idea of an international community is using all of the digital tools possible yeah. in order to keep people feeling like they can be connected um, and not feel so isolated as sometimes artists can feel mm. um, which came up a lot in our in our two-day retreat right it did um you know it's interesting just to, to move uh, forward from um itac and to go back to artworks um Camry. i love that you got that right that was so oh, cool it's taken me <laughs> a full year to get oh, it right yeah. it's Camry. yeah yeah Camry. um diamity uh, as we say in wales um that uh it sounds like it sounds very similar to some local networks that i'm i know of like the new york city arts and education roundtable for example is a is a organization of um individuals and uh arts organizations who are all about creating programming by sharing you know best or promising practices throughout the um 
the city mm-hmm. and it's uh, uh, very interdisciplinary. Yeah. So, uh, that I didn't, I don't think I was fully understanding that even as you, now that I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's difficult to grasp these mm-hmm. things, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. it's a name. What is it? Okay. And also I think, you know, we were talking earlier about yeah. the fact that, you know, your city has way more people than my country, Yeah. you know? So, for you, for me to say, oh, it's a countrywide program, you immediately thinking, whoa, whoa that's yeah. huge. And I'm like, no, 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 there's not many of us. You know? <laughs> but yeah, it's exactly that. So yeah. we've got a, we've got a group of partners around the table mm. who um, kind of um, buy into the project bid that I put in. Um, and this time they've actually all contributed just, just a little bit of money. Just, mm. I'm like just 200 pounds per, or per partner organization, mm. which just enables me to go, I've got this match funding and it's almost like a little commitment fee from these partners to say, we think this work is important work right. for Wales and we th- we'd like to see it happen. Um, so now I've got 29 partners. So that little 200 pounds per partner you know adds up Mm -hmm. and great I've got my match funding that I need to put in we you know we're very driven here by the arts councils um and public funding Mm -hmm. but we always have to be proving that there's other money coming with that public funding Mm -hmm. so you know and then also some some support from Paul Hamlin Foundation who've supported um our artworks Cymru program since 2010 now Mm -hmm. um and so um it just enables my partners and I to get around the table and say okay I let's what's the next step for Wales I think we need to look at quality because we're always looking at quality Mm. and how do we make quality work so we've got a program of work this time round in our two-year project that looks at um, quality projects and Mm. how we make case studies of those we made we made a set of quality principles for Wales in the last program Mm -hmm. and so this um, is about testing those principles and looking at how we use them as organisations because mm-hmm. they, they're a good tool for dialogue, but we need to embed them if they're really going to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my other personal um, kind of issue that I've been banging on about is like how do we empower um, freelance artists mm-hmm. who are really experienced, have been working in Wales, doing participatory work for a long time, mm-hmm. but they're not part of an organisation, so they don't have the power that you get through being part of an organisation and the backup mm-hmm. from that. Um, so I really wanted to find a way to m- give them a leadership role um, and also to give them a caretaking role for other people in the sector like themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, seeing the tap tool, I was thinking, hang on a minute, this is this is really interesting, and maybe we could make something for Wales, which I'm at the moment calling the Wales Artist Coaching Pathway. But, you know, we had a long discussion yesterday about mm-hmm. is coaching the right word? It mm-hmm. might not be the right word. We might change it. Yeah. So this is just a pilot that we're doing for the next year to see if that idea works right. and if we can use the inspiration that you've given us mm. for the last two days to make something for Wales and adapt that and see, yeah, just see how that yeah. works across the country. What's the logistical pieces were 
sort of firm, then we started to map out, okay, what do these days look like? And, um, that for me was very exciting one, because I was able to also work with, with Lindsay on planning, but because you kept feeding us more and more information and you were able to better articulate what the goals were Mm. that it was, it was really cool to be able to take so many disparate pieces of what I do, both at the new victory, um, in my adjunct course and just like the kinds of questions, um, I have, and then other pieces that I've learned from other, uh, masters in different, very, uh, various fields, um, to be able to put those pieces together, mm. um, that would serve your goal was yeah. really exciting. And so we actually had a plan when I got here. <laughs> we did. We did. And we the did. plan, just to go through like the very general, the plan was to start with looking inside and then getting towards the external. So, and in my view, the external was the artist mentees that they were going to have. Yeah. So we started with um, looking at our core values. We had some offers for what community core values could be. And then we did the teaching artist pathways, um, professional development. And that happened over like a three hour, like the whole day. It was a whole day experience, but certainly was, the core yeah. values, Ten and till six, all that was all in away. the morning. And then, and we were at this beautiful, the honey pot, Oh my gosh, that oh, was so beautiful, wasn't it? It was like a hearth. It's like a, a, a converted chapel um, that is run by this charity, The Honeypot. And what they do there is they they take children up to the age of 12 for like long weekends. Children who maybe are young carers or have got particular issues in their lives. They just take them for like a fun weekend. Um, and they have some time in the in the middle of the week. So we had it in the middle of the week. Mm-hmm. And they, we just had a fun middle of the week oh, there, didn't it we? It was so lovely. I mean, we were surrounded by all these beautiful mountains and mm. so many sheep who just... So many sheep. You were you a bit know, astounded wrong. by the I sheep. I was really you? astounded. I don't get to spend <laughs> that much time in and around sheep. Like sometimes when you're driving in a in a, in a a British country, you will see them. But then, oh. you know, you're gone and they are still there. But They, they were there here, in the morning when you got up? They were they? there in the morning and <laughs> then they would sort of roam around and then they'd be back there by the evening and, yep. and just grazing and enjoying life. That's Wales. I, amazing. <laughs> just amazing. We had to ride to get to this spot. We had to take what I thought was a driveway <laughs> and it was a road. It was a country road, yeah. <laughs> It was very narrow yep. and, and yep. scary, um, especially at night. But what, I mean, we saw beautiful sunsets. Mm. We were fed just with like love. It's just yeah. like the most delicious food. Well, I think that makes for good thinking though, doesn't it? Mm. Like being in a space, mm. being in that space, like away from everything for a little while, just mm-hmm. in a little bubble with some really good food, mm-hmm. um, some good company. And we had a lot of fun and a lot of laughing yes. in the evenings, which was great. Happy Black History Month. This is a time when we celebrate and highlight Black Americans who have contributed to our country's history. This often can be everyday folks. It can be inventors, icons, civil rights activists, hidden figures, and much, 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 much more. Um, So I think that it being Black History Month, it's very fitting to loop back to the conversation that I had um, with Michael Wiggins. Ah, yes, Michael Wiggins. We had a four 
our conversation. And so this is going to be part two of that conversation. And of course, as always, we will break it up into two different acts. What I wanted to share with y'all is that Michael um, is pretty active on Instagram, not very active in general over all the social media platforms, but Instagram seems to be a beautiful place for him. And 365 days of the year, Michael showcases black figures, um, mostly entertainers, but other kinds of figures. And um, he's made a very conscious choice for this particular month where he is highlighting black LGBTQIA Americans and some of the folks I know and some of them I don't. What I like about his handle, which is radical underscore educator, is that this is his platform, um, his little radical way of sharing information in a way that is, you know, somewhat entertaining, um, somewhat not like all up in your face, uh, in terms of like, I don't know, but it's, it's thought provoking and it makes you want to take a step in, I find. Um, so I, I say, check it out. Uh, his, I'm serious. His whole feed is, it's, there's very rarely an image of him or like his life. It really is these figures and it's pretty amazing. Um, so, uh, let's get back into it. Let's do it. (laughs) I don't know if you remember, but we were talking about enrichment, enrichment. And so here is episode 27, act one, Michael Wiggins, shifting systems with rigor and love. Let's go back to looking at the enrichment space. Everybody says they value young people need enrichment. Mm. Arts enrichment is on everybody's calendar. But if you look at the providers of arts enrichment, are they able to make a living? Can you make a living as an enrichment provider? If you were a teaching artist in that space, is that a space in which people, you couldn't even describe to people what it is that you do or uh, cobble together a real life from it? The answer is probably no. So if you're in enrichment, if you're doing enrichment programs, they're probably the, the lowest paid uh, space, right? So that means that there's no love. Love is not operating fully in that space. We don't really value that space. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants it, but we're not willing to really pay for it. Mm-hmm. If you really want an enrichment program, then it would be cohesive, right? It would have, uh, it would be something that you could easily describe because it would be real. It would have um, a, a, a time and a place that made sense um, a, across the system. It would be systemic, but it's catch all. Mm-hmm. People decide they want to do it. We're doing an enrichment program. You know, we're doing it. They, they came up with this euphemistic word that you can throw anything that is right. truly not valued in there. But at the same time, you have this contradiction <laughs> yeah. where everybody says it's the most important thing. Mm. But really, if you look at the people who are providing it, if you look about it as a career path, it's not. It's not a career path. You cannot be m- making a, a decent living as a provider of enrichment in America you, 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 because it's nothing. So I imagine a society in which we say enrichment is absolutely valued, and here's how it would look. Everybody expects that if so, you're... So if I, I'm just trying to make sure I understand what yeah. you're saying, that enrichment is the arts for art's sake. 
Yeah, people call that enrichment. Oh, okay. Don't they? Usually. Yeah. Or for our sake, we're going to have the band is going to come and going to play or the play, children are going right, to dance. Okay. It's an enrichment program. What got is it? it? Got it's it. an enrichment program. Where are you getting the dollars for this? From the enrichment budget, uh-huh. right? It's just enrichment. So it can be anything. Mm-hmm. And that's just, just willy-nilly. Mm. So but, the, the, the kind of um, intention, thought... Yeah, the more you, st- you think the enrichment is a category because yeah. you have it on a budget and you've seen it on the calendar a million times, so you think it's real. And everybody thinks it's real. Right. And if you criticize enrichment, people are looking at you. I mean, you even started to look at me like, what, you don't think art? You don't, you don't value that? No, stuff? no, I was, the right. reason why I was looking at yeah. that because I was trying to understand what you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> not because what I'm like, saying what is it's, it's, it gets, I, it gets, it's because the thing is, so, because it's a maelstrom, because it's so confusing, mm. it's confusing. Mm. So it's, in, it's confusing on purpose. No. We have this category called enrichment that everybody values. We have this space that there's a little money for in every school. Like like the New York Philharmonic playing in the parks? Yeah. Okay. Enrichment. So it's an enrichment program. Mm-hmm. They're going to or they're going to play at the you know the the New York Philharmonic is coming to the school or we mm-hmm. we've got, we've hired a teaching artist to do an enrichment program during the after school. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But y- 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 we don't really know what enrichment is. The, the closer and closer you look, you're like, what is enrichment? Well, it can be anything. It's anything they decide to call it. It ain't because it's it's it can be anything, which means it's nothing, right? I was mid drink by that. Because breakfast is breakfast. <laughs> Enrichment can be anything. Yeah, can be anything you want, which means it's nothing. Right. In a real society in which we valued enrichment, you would say there's every school you would know, w- w- like people know there's lunchtime at schools and there's recess. Everybody know what recess is, right? Mm-hmm. And what recess is for, and people defend that space, but. If if we if if enrichment were a real thing, it would have a it would have a clearly defined purpose, and it would be a valued spot in society. It would be easy to c- come into a, a a school or a space and and expect to see it and expect it to have the right in the right room for it to take place in, the right time of day. Uh, an expectation that it is part of what we do and how we live. It would be in the DNA of, of our culture. The fact that it both exists and doesn't exist, the closer you get to it, the blurrier it gets, means in America that it's not real. My phone bill comes every month. The things that we value, we can manage to do. If you don't pay a bill on time in America, nobody is ever going to forget forget it. <laughs> yeah. Right? But nevertheless, enrichment programs can be jacked up in places mm. and nobody's ever going to fix them. Or they can go places where they don't have enrichment programs. Mm. It's not real. So, I mean, the, 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 it's, it's, people are like, well, we're doing the best we can. But what, what, so what's your point? My point is <laughs> that it's, a, it's, it's what society, we do what we value. So, so we how s- do we make, so I guess what I'm, I'm trying to understand your thread here is, are you saying that all the work that we're doing is not is enrichment or are no, you no, saying no 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 enrichment no, is only one of the strands okay I'm only you know we we do arts integration and stuff like that's not an enrichment program that's okay. a that's an arts integration program so that's helping driving academic learning mm. I'm talking about the the idea that our society doesn't know doesn't really have a a, a true belief in what this work can do but it says it does. If you walked into any school and say, do you value the arts? They would say yes. Mm-hmm. If you walked into any school and said, so let's just keep it confined to public schools. You know, you walk into a public school and you say to the principal, do you value the arts? They say yes. Nobody would say no to you. 
Do you have an enrichment program? They would probably say yes. But it can look like anything, mm, mm-hmm. right? There's no, there's no systemization to, 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 to define the quality of that mm. that we can come to ex- expect. There's, and we as a culture, and we could skip it, and you could have gone to, you can go to school and skip it mm-hmm. and not have it. Mm-hmm. I think what I'm saying is that the idea of the love has to come from the rigor of having a really strong expectation. When I say an enrichment space, we go back to our earlier conversation. Enrichment space should be the space in which young people can touch on and experience all forms of art, whether or not they're going to go on and pursue that for real or not, mm-hmm. where they're both able to experience it as an audience, experience it at all levels of participation as producers and consumers mm-hmm. of that work. In a real enrichment program, nobody should be able to get out of school and say they didn't have music. I didn't have the opportunity to make music or listen to music. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the, you know, it th- should be music, dance, video. Every form of art should be represented in an enrichment program. And people should have the tools and resources they, knew they need to go in and experience it and also produce it. That's what a real enrichment program would be. That's how you're enriched, by being able to view the, the, the to, to participate as an audience member in the art form and also to create it, to consume and produce. And so in a, in a real enrichment space shouldn't just be a hodgepodge. It should be a really disciplined space and there should be some plan and that a young person gets access to, to, to that, that full circle within a space. That's what an enrichment program should look like and that's where they should look like everywhere. Mm. It shouldn't just be what is your enrichment program? That shouldn't be a question. Your enrichment program should be a space in which Young people can do music, art, dance, film and video, where they can see it, experience it, and also make it. They have opportunities. And I don't care how that system goes, but that should be planned out by the system, and we should make sure that it is delivered by the system. But it's not now. We have these rules about how much art somebody's supposed to get, but they're not hugely enforced. You can totally go through no. the public school system not without, have, without mm-hmm. ever having made forms of art or participated mm-hmm. in the creation of forms of art. Every child getting out of school should have had the opportunity to make music and experience music in a real way, mm-hmm. to make dance and experience dance, to make film and experience. That is a real enrichment program. All enrichment programs should meet that standard. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they won't work. Or there's an <coughs> equity. Some people get it and some people don't. Yeah. And that's my point about how it will never work because that's like too complicated for people. They're like, yeah, let me know our school. No, that's a simple thing. Enrichment programs should be this. We don't have a should for them. We just have this idea that we truly value them. And then when money comes along, somebody, it's all right. context. It's mm-hmm. all whatever. It's all the particulars of the situation. Because our culture doesn't really care about it. Otherwise, we'd be like, how could this, how can you get through school and not have to be in a band? How could you get through school and not have done dance? But that's that's happening now. It's happening right in front of you. So we don't care. We don't actually care about enrichment. We don't actually care, or we would fix that. But it's really hard to fix. I don't know why it's really hard to fix, because I'm telling you, those bills go out every month. The things that we've, the garbage gets picked up every day. Those are the things that we, the things we do are the things we value. How you do one thing is how you do everything in that space. It's so, that, 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 that doesn't that just, I mean, if you look at the thing, I don't understand why people, that's the kind of stuff, that's what I'm mad at. Mm. I look at it, I'm like, look, we have an entire school system. They have numbers for every school. That's organized. Great. You know how many students are coming in. There's a way to organize them. You can find all their names, right? 
why aren't there? You have these rules, these laws about how much art somebody's supposed to get. Yeah. But nevertheless, I can pick a child and say, did you ever? Have you ever? And they say, oh, no, I never have. Did you ever make a movie? Nope. You got all the way through school and didn't make a movie. You went all the way through school and didn't make a dance. You went all. It can happen. Mm -hmm. Why is it allowed to happen? That's simple. It should be simple. We need good administrative supports to create an environment in which we can actually do the things we want to do. And we all have that now. We have this cacophony of choice in our model and that model and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And we will continue to have that. So in some ways, I'm really talking about a stricter approach. I'm mean, although I sound like I'm, you know, the 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 lunatic for chaos. Like <laughs> this stuff will never work because it's not organized correctly. And all of our organizations are trying to do something different mm. in that space, and and it's not working. It's not working. It's not. All the choice that we've been given. Oh, isn't it wonderful? We have this, you know, diversity. We forget all that we're we not doing the basic job here i'm educating the children to give them the opportunity to do basic stuff why are we still clamoring over each other to 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 to, to get our our budgets fulfilled mm. to get our missions fulfilled etc when we're not solving the actual problems that are there but who, but how how in i didn't say any of this was possible <laughs> Well, that's let's not go my there. promise. I mean, I'm very pessimistic about it. Well, within let's go there. Like, so, so you're talking about a school system, um, a, or a school district within a state where yeah. there is a state mandate. S- start that. That's all students in yeah. this state should receive um, arts enrichment. Yeah. Um, and exposure throughout their day and it's a, like a number yeah it should be very like we, hours per week or that something is like that. in the law already they're it's supposed to the get law, but it's not enforced and it is not it's not enforced one and two it's not it's unfunded mandate not uh compi- complied with mm-hmm. um and then you talked about the idea of inequity so um in new york city's system there is what is called the arts report mm-hmm. um where it's a voluntary report mm-hmm. that every school and there are more than 1800 schools uh are asked to complete mm-hmm. and i think their their ret- their response rate is something like nine but it, it fluctuates between 90 to 93 percent of the schools complete that form and then they are because it's public knowledge they're on listed on a, a site so you can go through every single one of those 92 percent of schools that are completed and you can see how many how and they name the four arts disciplines i don't know if they talk about film i off the top of my head i'm sure if we they might have added they just it. added it yeah. they did okay so mm-hmm. those five so they have those added whether uh it's k through or pre-k through five pre-k through eight uh six through eight or you know all the different versions of schools and then there's like this whole big old report that comes out they're hoisting up what's positive but what they're not always hoisting up is like, I've gone through those reports actually. Um, in 2013, I looked through a whole uh, slew of them looking for this due to budget cuts. That first that first little paragraph due to budget cuts, we don't have any arts uh, specialists or partners or this, but our classroom teachers have a drum club or uh, a you know a poetry club and that they do after school or during lunch or what have yep. you and all zeros under yep. all the different yep. ways that they cut that data yep. 
And so those are the schools that we were focusing on right. when we launched this new, this program that at that time that is now six years old. Um, it's not working as your quote it's not working. is very upsetting because we see those pockets, those ripples of hope when we're focused. Sure. And you know, it's, it may not be changing the entire system, Yeah. but you know, right after we launched that program, then Scott Stringer, the, as the controller came out with that report that said, right. here's where, you know, the, the arts are across the city and in the, the, the dearth, or the, the mm. black hole of it is mostly in the South Bronx mm-hmm. and Central Brooklyn. But Big surprise. The, but, you know, surprise, surprise. But also, like, it was still, you know, it was one of those moments for me when that report came out. I was like, we already, we're already doing this thing. Thank you for doing this work and putting it into one place because we didn't have that capability. Right. But, like, I'm glad to know that we're actually already on that path. But we are also one organization with a limited amount of res- yeah. resources to impact a small amount of schools. Yeah, I'm not. See, see, I'm, I mean, it's so hard for me because I do the work, too. And mm-hmm. I'm just paddling along as best but I can. Not, I, but that's the thing. Like, we're all just prattling along. We're trying to do good work. We have different models. We have different approaches, yes. obviously. But what, you know, let's take it to that bro- that bigger level. Like, if if we are not serving our young people across the board in all sorts of ways, including within the arts, then those of us in the nonprofit sector or those of us who are bringing or trying to partner with the Department of Education, we can't solve all those issues. No. But we need to acknowledge those issues. Yeah. And we need to, like you were talking about to the, you know, the imaginary teacher about looking at that you know, Friday, one thirty class mm-hmm. when all, and look at all the different reasons why this is going to be, um, not interesting to the kids right. and that there might be some behaviors that come out yeah. and figure out how do we work around or through, or, you know, with all that in mind yeah. to get to them opportunities to engage. You, you have to do a lot of things at the same time. Mm-hmm. That can be, and I guess it can feel exhausting. I think at the top, you have to look at the whole thing and say, no matter what we say, no matter what our intentions are, no matter how hard we're working and how valiant we're trying and how right we are and how truth is on our side, that it's not working for the majority of people in this country, in the school system. It's not working. We're not solving the problem. If you go all the way on to the other end, we are solving the problem in local ways and small ways in that classroom that you're in as the teaching artist, in the classrooms you've chosen to be in as an organization, in the schools you've chosen to be in as an organization. You are addressing those immediate problems and doing good. And you can't stop doing that. Mm. And the tactics that you have to use there I think should be informed by love and you should wield the power that you have. You should leverage the power that you have to make sure that you can enforce the rules of love and you can make the right decisions. Mm. You're doing both of those two, you're on both ends of that pole at the same time, you know, but if we really want to solve the problem, 
the actual problems. If we really want everybody to be ready for college and career, to be empowered, quote unquote, you know, to be in a space where they can have self-determination as adults, then it's a compli- it's way more complicated than we are equipped to address right now. And it will take a radical shift in the way we approach everything mm-hmm. because the problems are intertwined. You can't solve education mm-hmm. if you don't solve poverty. It doesn't matter if you solve education or poverty if you don't look at climate change mm-hmm. and how the, what's going to change in the world. And you're not going to solve any of those things if you don't have civic engagement and mm-hmm. you don't have a, a political structure that is working in concert with it. And none of that's going to work if you have, don't have a bureaucracy that's capable of, of, of making all those things talk to each other and making mm-hmm. the right decisions and enforcing those rules. It's, it's a huge endeavor. And at the heart of it, is our value system and the fact that we lie about it. We say we want these things, but we're not willing to do what it takes to actually get them. And what it takes to actually get them is to come to a place of agreement Mm -hmm. um, through love. So we want young people to all have the same opportunities. Well, they're not getting the same opportunities. They're just not. No matter what you say, no matter how hard you're trying, they're not not getting it. And how do they get it? Well, the way they're going to get it is through redistribution of resources. And we're not willing to do the redistribution mm. of resources. Mm. We live in the most, inequ- this is a time of huge inequities and our country isn't going to solve it. So no matter what you're doing, Courtney, no matter what I'm doing, if that, sol- if that, if that problem isn't solved, it will never get fixed. We will exhaust our energy and our lights will go out because as you see, the decades fly by and we will have done great work. But society is not going to, the, the main problems aren't going away. In the Bible, Jesus said, the poor will always be with us. And I think it didn't stop, you know, and Jesus, for me, my relationship to Christianity is neither here nor there. But the story of Jesus is really, uh, you know, illustrative for me. That statement that the poor will always be with us is such a, is that cynical? I mean, how, why did why is that in, in scripture? I think it's the acknowledgement of the, 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 the one of the main failures of humanity. We will never solve that problem. As, you know, this is the son of God talking. The poor will always be with us. Did not did not stop Jesus in that story from making sacrifices. It did not stop Jesus from doing good work. It did not stop Jesus from laying laying his life down. Mm. And I guess that's the story. And as you know, as I realized when I was a child, and I realize now, the story of the Bible is like, uh, for me, the story of the Savior is like they killed Jesus. What do you think they're gonna do to you? <laughs> you know what I mean? People have think. People, th- that was my takeaway mm-hmm. from that story. Mm-hmm. Like, th- th- this Martin Luther King, people bring him up all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, brother's dead. He didn't even get. I'm older than Martin Luther King was when he was dead. You know, yes, yes. Damn. Yes. So, what do you think is going to happen to you, trying as hard as you can? So you, you, you have to make a choice. You have to acknowledge that and keep going which is what I do. Mm. I know it's pointless. It's futile, but I keep going. And in the moment that I'm doing the work, I'm trying to do the best I can yeah. because it does. Actually, there is one, there are two that get what they need mm. to move forward. Mm-hmm. Good is good, no matter what. Mm. But this isn't, you know, this. It's, well, I haven't seen the Avengers movies, but I imagine it's kind of like that. Like, the, yeah. the world's going to end anyway, but you can't stop being, Trying, you can't yeah. stop. You can't so, stop and you so better do your best within that space. Mm. And you can't bring you can't bring the 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 the, the lie into that space. You cannot bring it to to make it work. Mm. The lie is, you know, that hey, 
this is this this is the solution. It's not the solution. It's a, it's a, it's the solution for that moment, but it's yeah, not the real solution. The real solution, yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. palliative. Yeah. The real solution is a huge societal shift that we as a, con- a country, as a people, are not ready to make. Okay, so you're making me think about Diane Ravage, who talks about the direct. Is she still with us? Yeah. All right. The direct correlation between poverty and uh, educate public education. And all the, all the, all the issues inherent and entwined. She redeemed herself. Uh, I don't know. I just like her because she feels very radical to me, and I, I like how she just tells it like it is. No child left behind. Mm, I know. I know. Yeah. I know, Has she I paid know. for that yet? No, but she, I think she regrets it. Yeah, I'm sure she does. Um, and then you're making me think about in terms of climate change and societal paradigm shifts. Um, AOC. Right on. Uh, and, and you're making me think about, oh gosh, I'm going to not say her name, right? The prime minister of New Zealand. We know who she is. We know who she is. I'm not going to even try and say her first. It's her first name. I can't remember. Um, Adern is her last name. (laughs) Um, but she, she's doing something that is, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm liking what I'm seeing. She is, um, she is addressing her country with love from a, from a very personal level to um, the speeches that she's making. She's representing something that I am interested in very much. And I didn't know her before this tragedy. Um, And it's been really interesting to watch her country and the, the people of her country mourning and coming together and supporting these ideas. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it, how it continues or plays yeah. out. Um, but I think there's something there. I, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not, I grew up Catholic. I'm not very religious in that, in that way, but the stories I understand I'm not either. I just use them. But but the, you know you 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 know this, you know you can. You're well read, and so you, the fact that you were able to use that, um, and make a, to make a point is interesting to me. Um, and that story is interesting because I think, around, you know, the poor will always be with us. I don't always think that the poor, means money. Mm. It can be poverty of mind, poverty of spirit. Um, you know, so I think, yes, the poor will always be, be with us. What a true statement. What a, what a statement about humanity. Yes. <laughs> um, I went to a, um, a medium party once. You mean like a clairvoyance? Like a, a person who is spiritual, who can Spiritualism. speak to those who have passed, mm-hmm. who does numerology, mm. astrology, and, um, soul coaching. Mm-hmm. Right um, and this was maybe a little over a year ago, um, closer to two, maybe a year and a half ago. And she said something to the effect of like, she gets together with her other colleagues, um, periodically. And they were sort of channeling and trying to see what's down the line. And she said, you know, this country is going to see things that it's never seen. There will be a paradigm shift. And she said, you are going to be a part of it. And I was like, what now? 
do tell can you tell me more keep your running shoes on right and so what has been interesting to me she said whatever you're doing your soul your coaches are saying like whatever you're doing keep doing it i just launched this podcast so i thought oh that must be what she's they're talking about i don't know um but she's she's she said you know when she said the paradigm shift and you're gonna have something to do it she's like and it could be small it could be large i'm not sure but the conversations that I've been having more recently and some of the things that I'm seeing now are, are leading me. I'm seeing like, Oh, things are shifting. We're in the midst of some shifts. I'm hoping that they're positive, (laughs) but even though it feels very dark and very, you know, now, but there's, there is something interesting about, you said, you know, you know, we're on the local level or, you know, what we can touch. Yeah. That's where we, that's what we can harness our leverage, our, um, love and our power yes. to make an effect, some sort of change, yes. but that as a society, there needs to be a, a, a much more complex oh. and nuanced way to shift the paradigm. But I, I would like to believe that the more we're clear on these things on the local level and talk about these things that they're having, they will happen on a larger scale. Um, I but I think I, America has to pay the price for the things. It's oh, done. absolutely. And, and, and I, that's, I think that's going to be part of this is we can't shift until there's an apology and we can't shift until we acknowledge and, and we need to shift capitalism out of, of into a different space because it's not working No, and it's, and it's creating those inequities, the, those larger, um, inequities. I saw some statistic that like the top three, billionaire or you know top earners have more wealth than half of the world's population that's right end of days that's crazy Mm -hmm. so there's a lot to shift there's a lot to shift yeah it's a big big stumbling block if we're talking about we got to this point and there's confusion about where we are Mm. and there's disagreement about what this moment in time is like most a lot of this country thinks we're past things but you know we didn't pay the piper yet Mm -mm. and the 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 bill is due you know and it's i think it's going to be it's it's yeah i think it's going to be something we've we've never seen before and i think we are at a what they you know were calling a couple years ago an inflection point um this is where it spins and i wonder if i'm the right age you know i'm trying to keep in shape but well you do look good certain th- yeah thank you thank you that's the most important thing <laughs> uh that we look good and feel good well yeah that's part wellness is a huge thing wellness is a huge and part of this and self-care self-care let's talk about the self-care movement self-care is 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 also redistribution of resources because mm-hmm. you know you're asking somebody else to rub your back basically and and you Uh, know what okay when do they get self-care i wonder right so let me tell you a little story remember before we were talking about my gym and my swimming yes and um i bought a package my gym has a has a spa as part of it it's and i had my first one sometime in january and in the middle of this um massage which was great and also like <laughs> not like hard at the same time because she was myofascial 
and she was like yeah. you're you, we need to realign yeah. you you are yeah. a mess that's right and she just talked the entire time and then she pushed on things and Ow. pressed things and rolled like acted like that muscle yeah. mauler that you yeah. got there and at some point she said you don't got time for this you ain't got time and then she said you deserve this and michael i wept did you i completely wept at that oh. point face down while she was pressing on all my tight tight muscles and i it just was all in there cried. Oh. and it wasn't like the regular cry when like they were oh. just pressing but because she said you oh. deserve this you deserve to be well taken care you of do. you deserve to have um you know good things in your life yes. you don't have to suffer in no. order to do good work so so I'm on this new kick <laughs> about wellness. What are the things that you do for self-care? I ignore people. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I keep to myself. I don't hang out with uh, many people. People are upset by that, by the way. Well, you know, if you're really with somebody, it's an exchange of energy. Mm. And you have to make choices about conserving your energy. Mm. And sometimes I make choices that leave me more isolated than I want to be. Mm. But... You know, also, look at me. I mean, I got to stay together. <laughs> and that takes yeah, time. Yeah, do you look good? I'm just going to keep saying You have that. to make choices. Mm. And so I choose to... So, you know, going... W- exercising is really my real job. Mm. That's actual... That's my real life. Like, taking care of myself is my real life. Mm-hmm. The other part is what I do. So that that's the extra side. <laughs> I, I flip the work-life balance. I my real job that. is me. The other thing is that because everything is a choice, I don't have to actually do that. I mean, any, I am free to do whatever I want. Mm. Everybody is free, as long as we can live with the consequences of what we've done and the choices that we make. So I work because I need to pay these bills, but I don't have to. I don't even have to pay the bills, as long as I'm li- willing to live with it. I don't have to do anything. They can't take me out of my body. You know what I mean, I guess they could kill me, but in, until they do, I am in here, and I don't let anybody else in unless I've vetted the, them. You know, they've gone through a vetting process mm-hmm. through which you have gone through, and I am grateful to have you um, because you are everything we've been waiting for. Uh, so when I t- but when I talk about self care, you know, I mean, the Buddha says like. Uh, I mean, the Four Noble Truths, right? Suffering, that's the first truth. Life is suffering, suffering, the reality of suffering. Mm. Um, the second truth is that there, there is an answer, right? So it's like, oh my God, I'm suffering. Well, the second truth is that there is an answer. There is a way out. Um, the cause of suffering is uh, attachment mm. and, that, and ignorance, right? Ignorance of the fact that everything is everything. And none of this is, all of this is temporary and none of it is real anyway. This is not reality. It just is what you're seeing, what you're experiencing, you know, right now. But everything is everything. And then uh, the, the way through is through non-attachment. So I, agony is born of desire and, and I think fear. Uh, so my job, my life's work is to get to a space of impartiality with wherever I am to which would allow me and I'm not there but that's my journey isn't it to live with free of fear free of 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 
being motivated by desire or fear, uh, to love everybody equally, including myself. Um, that's the journey that I'm on. It, it, it is, we are bound by our shared, uh, you know, the obstacle is the fact that I'm a physical being and that I have the will to live <laughs> and to survive as me and that I have this idea of me as, as, as a separate thing from you. Those are the obstacles to my to to to, to this higher realization, and all, all the daily things that you know that the, the being physical being uh, make me have to pay attention to. You know, getting on the train, uh, making sure that I don't say something stupid to an important person, or you know that I am doing a good job, that I'm physically fit, that I'm eating. All those things get in the way of. Or the fact that, that you know somebody's standing too close to me on the train, or <laughs> they were rude to me, and then I want to hit them, but I don't. You know, it's stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, I'm not. I'm not here f with y'all, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, that that that. I think my na my my immediate nature is to be really caught up. I think I'm. I I have a. I know that my nature is almost childish in its way, but at my best, I am working toward loving you as much as I love myself, loving everyone as much as I love myself, mm -hmm. and not believing that this is what is real, because it's not. I love these. So one of the reasons why, one of many reasons why I wanted to make sure we got an interview with you is because we have these conversations over coffee or over, you know, almonds. Chai. I'm having a lovely chai. chai. This chai is very good. This is very good. Or scotch or, um, you know, on the subway. And I always thought, like, if people could hear these conversations, they'd be like. Say, lock that man up. <laughs> <laughs> or they'd be inspired. Um, you know, I I think that what you just said is very, it's, it makes so much more sense to me about how you disappear even when you're like three blocks away. Yes. You just live on the other side of the park and I haven't seen you in eight months. <laughs> but that's not for lack of trying. You have been in inviting me to things. I'm I always haven't, I you. haven't been able to come. So I'm, I'm not saying that I, I blame you entirely, except we can hang out more. I'm always with you. The image of me and the sound of me is easily recalled. I mean, everything is you everything. Are, you're all, you are actually every, every always time with you me. Are, I, I, but, but, but I want it. So, so besides being a love fest between the two of yeah. us, there are other people who are like, where is Michael Wiggins? We love him. We miss him. Um, Lindsay, that's where that picture came from. Where she I was love like, Lindsay Buller is a <laughs> lifesaver. And if I have to give a shout out to anybody in terms of being like, uh, someone I admire on a professional level and someone to whom I have the deepest gratitude for being a human being, I would say, even without giving particulars, Lindsay Buller saved my life. Tell more. She has been, in the way that she pays attention and in the way she listens and speaks, I think, you know, I wonder what sh she's getting ready to do and what she can do in the world because 
she has a way of working you know, I use this phrase, you know, administration is creation, but Lindsay is a great way of working with and for people mm-hmm. that keeps her again on the, on the, on the margins. Uh, the, some of her work is just so invisible. She's so she, she's my work wife. Yeah. She's, um, of, of all the people in, uh, uh, this field, she's, um, she knows me she gets me really well um we've worked together for 14 years um and she you're right she does work where like the people who know her know her really well yep. but not enough people know her i yep. think who's that woman in the corner yeah and the work that she does is super innovative mm-hmm. and the way that she does her work um her approach to how she does the mm-hmm. work it's very different than my approach mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's complimentary and, um, exciting and she's about to blow, like, don't worry. She's about to blow up. I think, you know, your, your sound um, and she is more metal. Say that again? Your sound. So for you, it's, it's voice. And so I, if I have to think of you, I think of sound, you know, or, or even just like, it's, it's like weather, you know, it comes into a room, whoosh, when you decide that you want to to enter a situation you're you're either in or out of it it's not like you're kind of on the edges and then you kind of creep in like if you decide you want to like some you hold back and you won't say anything but the minute you decide to speak it's like oh you know what about this <laughs> it's just boom you know mm. and then it's l- very it's very physical you know it's very like just you know uh, holding on to a moment you know you use your hands and you and you you say yes you know you people move forward on the the energy of of the voice and the sound and um i think that you love to step in in, in moments when you're really feeling uh that there's something it's a positive direction and you want to make sure it's going that way so that you just take you know just there's this gaia thing where you're just going to move the room in that way and it's, it's 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 really full of love and energy, and 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 joy, and it's and you have a a, a, a you know basso profundo kind of thing happening. A basso profundo. Yeah, you know, it's just the voice is just yes, you know, whoa, ah, mm, all that, and uh, it's, it's the, so the joy and the the intellect and the questions all come from that space where the body starts to respond to. My body is responding to your exhortations. You know, I can feel the physicality of it in that moment, and that's your, that's your, that's your kind of approach. Um, my body is moving toward it. Lindsay, I think, is a is a little more of a of a razor blade. You know, d- there's a joy and there's a tinkle in it. It's, maybe it's metal or it's glass. You know, that she comes down and she's incising in a moment. She'll she'll slice a moment up into pieces, and 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 you want to. F- it's there's because it's got a tinkle in it. You know, it's it's bright. There's a brightness to her uh, approach. It's the same pattern in some ways is that she's not there and then all of a sudden she's there. But hers is like, what about, you know, it's just, and then there's a, um, there's a, is it slyness? There's a clever, There's she's really smart. And so her questions are, make you, well, you had one thing, then you have two or three to consider. Um, and there's an editing that she's really good at, you know, getting down to the, to the, you know, I, that's why I guess the razor blade is I'm thinking about, you mm. know, the first cut doesn't hurt at all. 
Um, the second only makes you wonder. You know, she just keeps mm-hmm. until she's got what you wanted. Not what she wanted, but what you wanted. I think she helps you find what you wanted mm-hmm. through her way of listening and questioning, which is an art because it's definitely not. And I think I probably just discovered that now and thinking about it. It's not she's trying to move you toward what she wants. There's never a lie in it. From my experience working with her, it's always about helping you get to where you wanted to go. And you might not have even seen what was underneath this stuff. Or she helps you untangle knots by sometimes, you know, when you can untangle a knot or you could cut it. <laughs> that old trick. Mm-hmm. She's like, just cut it. <laughs> just cut the she's, knot. You know what, what I get challenged by in a good way is that she's faster than me. Mm. So she she's like... Yeah, and she can do that slicing very, yeah. very quickly. Whereas I'm so analytical that I have to visualize it, and then I can start to understand it. And but that I think is why we work well because she'll wait for me. Yeah. <laughs> she'll wait, or and then I say something that's like completely like from left field, and she'll be like, "All right, well, let's consider that." Yeah. Lindsay can cut to the chase mm-hmm. and call it. Mm-hmm. She can call it what it is mm-hmm. and cut to the chase better than anybody I think that Absolutely. I've, I've, I've worked with she's she's the best thing she makes me look good too you know like we just we run a very large education department there's 19 of us and together you know we have to consider a whole lot of things to make sure that the whole you know even though it's three different teams yeah that the whole department feels cohesive i think in some ways you are you switch in the other space I think that you are more like her in private than you are in public mm-hmm. and maybe vice vice versa. I think she looks way more s- serious in public than she does in private sometimes. And that, that is interesting. So maybe that's, that's part of your, of your balance. That is interesting. What are you saying that I'm more like, like super, I'm definitely extroverted. Well, you know, if I, if I come into, if I come and see you in the office, you've, mm-hmm. you've, you've, you've probably got, you know, you're, you're, you're being very serious. Yes. I'm, I'm in thought. I'm focused. Yeah. It's hard to pull me out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to pull you out of where you're mm-hmm. at. But if I, but Lindsay is, is, I think she's private. the host. As soon as it comes, it comes yeah. in, she can drop whatever she's doing. Cause she's going to be able to go right back yeah, in. Whereas that's not, I can't do that. So I think maybe that's that mm. you get to be, you get to be both sides of yourself mm-hmm. because you have that partnership. Wow. I hadn't even thought about that. I, you know, it's funny cause often I'd be like, why are you able to, oh, I can't like, I'm so sorry. I want to talk to you, but I have to finish this thought. Yeah. I even do that to my staff where they, you know, they're constantly coming over yeah. to my desk and, or G chatting me. And if I'm in mid thought, like I can't, like I can't stop in the middle. No, very I need to figure, I got to finish that. Mm-hmm. And then here I am with you. Now mm-hmm. you have my undivided mm-hmm. attention. And even if I'm looking at you, it's possible that you don't. So mm-hmm. I'm going to then say, you're going to have to start again. Cause <laughs> I was, I was, I was still in the other place. Please start again. So I can make sure that I'm with you. How are we doing? Are we, are, are okay, we, are we so, near the end? <laughs> has it been that painful? Are you, are you sick of me yet? Cause I am. <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode 27, act one of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Michael Wiggins, Shifting Systems with Rigor and Love. Join us next time for act two. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. Brandon Hutchinson is the media arts coordinator. Jono Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. 
Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry and on Instagram at teaching artistry with CJB. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now.